Good evening. The scripture reading for the lesson tonight is found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. Luke 19. Account of one of our children's favorite Bible stories. Let's read from verses 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. On account of the crowd, he could not because of his small stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. May God bless the reading and preaching of his word tonight. If you had a hundred sheep and one of them became lost, won't you leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until you find it? And when you find it, won't you joyfully put it on your shoulder And go home and call to your friends and your neighbors. Rejoice with me. I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. This, of course, is the first parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15 where he also tells the parable about a woman who loses one of her ten coins and searches the house over until she finds it and then rejoices that she's found it. Luke 15 also records the story, the parable, of a father who loses two sons and rejoices when they are found. Of all the parables that Jesus tells, these three are among the ones that we love the most. We love the idea of God wanting to save us and of God bending every effort to do that. In our love for these three parables, though, we shouldn't overlook the situation that prompts Jesus to tell the parables. In Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 35, Jesus gives some rather strong, some rather stringent demands for those who follow him, for those who would be his disciples. Jesus says plainly that if we do not hate our family and loved ones, if we don't lay down our own lives and carry a cross, if we we don't give up all our possessions, we cannot be his disciples. Now we might think that such strong speech and such strong demands would turn people away. Who would want to live up to such demands? Who could live up to such demands? And yet as Luke begins this chapter of parables, he tells us that tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. 
As they came to hear Jesus, the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling. They were unhappy about the fact that these kind of people, these people, these sinners were coming. And not only were they coming to him, but he was eating with them. There is a proverb that is certainly true. Dogs don't bark at things that don't move. Well, they were right. Jesus most certainly was welcoming sinners. And he was eating with them. But they were very wrong to think that Jesus was doing wrong. They should have understood that he was there to save people. They should have understood heaven's joy that such people were coming to him and coming to God. They should have been glad that they were coming to repent and to enter the kingdom of heaven. But they didn't understand that at all. They didn't see this crowd of people that are coming to Jesus in a good light. They weren't happy that such people were coming to Jesus. God was happy, though, and Jesus was happy. Because that was the whole reason for his coming to earth. That leads me to wonder, do we ever need a reminder that saving lost people was why Jesus came to the earth in the first place? And I wonder, do we ever have a list of people that we think can't or won't or shouldn't be saved? And if we do... I wonder what Jesus would say to us. Would he be pleased with us? A little later in Luke, we see Jesus doing this work of saving the lost. We see him doing the work of saving someone who would seem to be beyond help. And perhaps if we look at this account, we can rejoice that Jesus saves sinners and that we have been saved. And that there is no one who is excluded from God's salvation. In our passage is Luke 19, verses 1 through 10, the account of Zacchaeus. Jesus has arrived at Jericho, verses 1 through 4. Jerusalem and the cross are only 17 miles away. He has come to the city. He's passing through the city. Jericho of Jesus' day was a beautiful city. It was a city of broad streets. It was a city that was full of trees. It was a pleasant place to live and work, especially if you were wealthy. Old Testament Jericho was nearby. It was north and west of the New Testament city. But in Jesus' day, it was nothing more than a heap of ruins. The New Testament city was built around Herod the Great's winter palaces. He kind of got carried away building palaces. He built three of them there. And they eventually became uh, his working uh, place as he lived there through the winter. It was a place that was favored by Gentile and Jewish aristocracy. And again, not surprisingly, it is a city of great wealth. Living in the city is this man named Zacchaeus. Does anybody know what the name Zacchaeus means? Well, his name is an abbreviation of the name Zechariah that means righteous one. And we might think that someone with a name like righteous one would have been a priest. 
or a scribe or at least a Pharisee, somebody who was a spiritual person, certainly somebody who lived a godly life. But this righteous one did not live up to his name at all. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He has a lucrative business gathering taxes for the Romans. The Roman practice was to assign a certain amount of taxes to be collected, and they would hire people to gather that. And then the promise was that whatever you got over the amount that they wanted was yours. You could pocket the rest. And I think it's easy to imagine how that could become a very corrupt kind of system. And Zacchaeus, being the chief tax collector, probably had a lot of people working for him. And so it would have been very strange indeed if Zacchaeus had not been rich. But when he gives us the note that Zacchaeus is rich, Luke isn't simply giving us a Fortune 500 report on Zacchaeus. He's trying to tell us that he is a chief rich tax collector, which is also another way to say he's a great sinner. He is a man who has lived far from God. He's betrayed his people by working for the Romans. He has stolen from his people under the cloak of Roman authority. He's not one that you would ever expect to walk through the doors of a synagogue. He was certainly one that in most people's thinking, they would not want him to walk through the doors of their synagogue. But word reaches him that Jesus is on his way through the city. Perhaps he knew the tax collector who followed Jesus. Maybe he had some acquaintance with Matthew. Perhaps he had heard the stories that Jesus was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Or maybe his interest is nothing more than he is simply curious. But for whatever reason, he wants to see Jesus. But he's not able to. Zacchaeus is a short man, physically short. And more than that, he has no standing in the community. He has no standing that would give him a place in the crowd where he could see. But he's determined to see Jesus. And so he does a very undignified thing. He runs down the street ahead of Jesus, ahead of the crowd. And he comes to one of those trees and he climbs up into the branches We need to appreciate that no self-respecting, wealthy, prominent businessman ever ran down the streets of first century Jericho. That was just behavior that wasn't done. It wasn't something that happened. But there he is, standing in the tree, no doubt catching his breath and waiting for Jesus to come by, waiting for his chance to catch a glimpse of Jesus. He looks like a fool to his neighbors, not to, be mentioned, not to mention that they hate him and they despise him. Did they laugh at this sight of Zacchaeus up in the tree? Was this their chance to ridicule and make fun of their enemy? Just how foolish would you be? What foolish thing would you do if we told you that Jesus was coming up West Street and that was the only place you could see him? What foolish thing would you do to catch a glimpse of the Savior. So Zacchaeus is in the tree, and he gets a whole lot more than he bargained for, verse 5 and 6. The crowd begins to pass under the tree, and finally Jesus himself comes into view. 
Zacchaeus was getting his glance. He could see Jesus. But as Jesus comes under the tree, he doesn't keep going. He stops. And he looks up. And he sees the chief tax collector of Jericho, the rich man Zacchaeus, standing in the tree looking at him. And not only does Jesus look up at him, but he speaks. And he gives a command to Zacchaeus. He tells him to come down immediately. I must go to your house today. I must stay at your house today. Now, Zacchaeus didn't know it. The crowd of people didn't know it. And certainly Jesus' disciples didn't know it in advance. But as Jesus looks at the timetable that he is on, as he looks at the mission that he is accomplishing, he has an appointment there in Jericho that day. An appointment to go to the home of the wealthy chief tax collector. An appointment to share a meal or two, maybe spend the night, to talk, to visit, to bring salvation to him. An appointment that was made for him by his heavenly father. I must stay at your house today. Come, Zacchaeus, let's go to your home. And so Zacchaeus wraps all of his dignity around him and practically jumps out of the tree. Jesus said to come down immediately, and he came down immediately. But not only does he jump out of the tree, but he joyfully welcomes Jesus to come to his home. There are a couple things to notice in these verses. First, Jesus says that he must come to Zacchaeus' house today. And second, Zacchaeus gladly welcomes him. Now, there is a whole lot more going on there than Zacchaeus simply being glad that he's going to have a famous house guest. You see, the word today is one of those important key terms in the Gospel of Luke. And it's not simply a designation for the current 24-hour period. In Luke's Gospel, today is always the most important day of all because it is always the day of salvation. Today is the day to rejoice because someone has been saved for their sins and has entered the kingdom. Today is the day for the wealthy chief tax collector of Jericho. Today is the day of his salvation because Jesus has come to him. And when Jesus comes, the kingdom comes. And when the kingdom comes, salvation comes. And that is a reason for great joy. That is a reason to rejoice and to be glad before God. And that's exactly how Zacchaeus reacts. And God wants everyone to have the experience of the day of salvation. He wants to come to everyone's home and for his salvation to be received gladly. But not everyone is thrilled at what is happening. Look at verse 7 and 8. Just as the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled because the tax collectors and sinners were coming to Jesus in Luke 15, there are people in the crowd who are none too happy that Jesus is going home with Zacchaeus. And when they see what was happening, they begin to mutter. They begin to grumble, to complain. The word in Luke 15, 2 And the word in Luke 19.7 are exactly the same word. And this is the only place in the New Testament where these words are used. And it doesn't mean that they just kind of had some nasty thoughts in their mouth. They were saying stuff out loud. They were letting it be known that they did not approve. And their complaint is that Jesus has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. 
Now, they might have laughed at the sight of a rich businessman running down the streets of Jericho and climbing up in a tree. But what Jesus is doing is no laughing matter to them. By going home with Zacchaeus in their way of thinking, Jesus is giving his approval to the way Zacchaeus lived and what he did. Zacchaeus in their book was a criminal and a traitor, an ungodly person, and going to his house to eat and to drink and to spend the night made Jesus a criminal and a traitor who shared in Zacchaeus' sin. Righteous people, like the crowd, did not embrace people like Zacchaeus. They shunned them. They ostracized them. They had nothing to do with them. They would cross the street to avoid being in contact with them. And they did not for a minute share Jesus thinking that they should love their enemies. And Zacchaeus is their enemy. Zacchaeus knows how these people are. He knows that they're grumbling. He probably even knows what they're saying about him. But notice our passage again. It just doesn't matter to Zacchaeus. It doesn't matter what they're saying. It doesn't matter that they're grumbling. He makes an announcement. He announces that he will make restitution. He will no longer conduct business as he has been. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. The law of Moses required restitution of stolen property. And it also required giving to the poor as an expression of repentance. But Zacchaeus' offer far exceeds what the law required. So he's offering repentance. He's willing to take actions to undo the harm that he has done. And he's promising to live a different kind of life. When I read this, I always think about the rich young ruler in Luke 18. And I think we need to realize that Zacchaeus is not anything like the rich young ruler. Zacchaeus' wealth and how he got it were sinful and condemned him before, condemned him before God. But he gladly gave it up. The rich young ruler can't do that. He couldn't let go of the one thing that was keeping him from salvation. When the disciples realized that the young ruler wasn't going to give up his wealth and be saved, they wanted to know who could be saved. If the rich couldn't be. And Jesus told them, with men it's impossible. But with God, it is possible. With God, even a rich man like Zacchaeus can be saved. And that is what Jesus tells Zacchaeus. Today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham, verse 7 through 10. Jesus hears Zacchaeus' desire for salvation. Jesus hears his repentance. And Jesus declares that for Zacchaeus, this is the day of salvation. Salvation has come to him. It's come to his house because he wants to see Jesus. And he received Jesus gladly. He changed his life in response to Jesus. And Jesus declares that it is fitting and appropriate that today be the day of salvation for him. He may have been lost. He may have been living outside the covenant. He may have been living without God. He may have been living outside 
the relationships of his people. But even so, Jesus declares that he was part of Israel. Even lost, he is still a son of Abraham. And Jesus declares that salvation is his because he is a son of Abraham. He is an heir of all of the promises that are fulfilled in Jesus and the salvation that he brings. The people in the crowd that day judged him unfit for God's salvation. They declared him to have no hope. They declared him to be beyond hope. In their minds, he was lost forever. But you know what? That was not their call. God never, ever puts any human being on the throne to judge somebody's eternal salvation. And he hadn't done that to them. Today's salvation has come to this house. In fact, Jesus says, this is why I came in the first place. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I came to seek out Zacchaeus and everyone who is lost and saved them, Jesus declares. You know, our little kids love to sing about Zacchaeus up in the tree and Jesus telling him to come down. And I I won't upset you by singing any of it, but our little ones love that story. And when we read it, it ought to give our hearts joy as well. We should rejoice and be glad because we were lost, every one of us. We were without God in the world. We were without hope. But Jesus found us, and finding us, he saved us. It didn't matter to Jesus what kind of people we were when he found us. It didn't matter to Jesus what kind of life we were living when he found us. What mattered to Jesus is that we were lost and he found us. What mattered to Jesus is that we were lost and he saved us. And not only did he do that for you and for me, he wants to do that for everyone. Jesus has no list that says some person or some group of people or some people living certain kinds of lifestyle are not eligible for his salvation. Jesus doesn't want anyone to be lost. Not me, not you, no one. As we look at the world, as as we look at people around us, May we learn to see them as Jesus saw them. No matter what their life is like, no matter how bad or unsavory or unpleasant or even how evil it seems to us, it is still a life that Jesus died for. It is still a life he came to earth in order to save. That was his earthly life and work. That was what they were all about. And that work remains in the life and work of his people Just think for a moment, what would have happened to Zacchaeus if Jesus had seen Zacchaeus the way the crowd did? What would have happened to Zacchaeus if Jesus treated him the way the crowd treated him? If that day, instead of stopping under the tree and telling him to come down, Jesus just kept walking? What if Jesus never said a word to him? He'd be lost, wouldn't he? Salvation would not have come to his house. Or think about yourself. What if you'd never heard of Jesus? Or if Jesus passed you by and turned a cold shoulder to you, where would you be? What if he just walked away from you? I'd be lost. 
and so would you. So, from this passage from Zacchaeus, let's learn to see people like Jesus saw them. Let's overcome our fears and our hesitation and do what Jesus did. Come down. I'm going to your house today. Today is the day of salvation. That's what Zacchaeus teaches us to say. We want to finish now with a song of encouragement. There may be somebody here tonight in need of prayer. There may be someone here tonight in need of doing God's will in some way. We stand ready to serve. We're glad to be of help. You'll just come to the front while we stand and sing.